Welcome to Let's Talk Memoir, a podcast for memoir lovers, readers, and writers. I'm your host, Ronit Plank. A quick announcement that my short story collection, Home is a Made Up Place, is coming out on February 28th, 2023, but is in pre-order now. If you'd like to learn more about Home is a Made Up Place, you can visit my website, roneetplank.com, to read a blurb and some advanced praise and find links there in case you would like to pre-order it. It's available at all of the major bookstores as well as your own independent bookstores and online as well. Today, my guests are Vincent Patterson and Amy Tofty. Vincent Patterson is a world-renowned director and choreographer in film, theater, Broadway, concert tours, opera, television, music videos, and commercials. His iconic works include Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal and the famous Lean, as well as Madonna's Blonde Ambition Tour. He directed the opera Manon with Anna Netrebko and Rolando Villazon, Cirque du Soleil, Viva, Elvis, and Berlin's first original production of Cabaret, the longest-running play in Berlin's history. Film choreographies include The Birdcage, Dancer in the Dark, Evita, and Hook. He resides in California with his husband, René Lamontagne. Amy Tofty is an award-winning writer and storyteller. She won a prestigious Nickel Fellowship in screenwriting from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences in 2015. She has been a regular contributor to the award-winning LA Stage Times and other online publications with more than 100 feature articles profiling Emmy winners, Oscar and Pulitzer-nominated writers, as well as nationally recognized theater artists. Tofty's critically acclaimed stage plays have been produced throughout the U.S., the U.K., Australia, and the Edinburgh International Fringe Festival. She lives in Los Angeles. Welcome, Vincent and Amy. Thank you, Ronit. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. I'm so happy that you're here and the credits in your bios. I almost need a sip of water because it takes so long to get through all that you've done. I'm just so grateful that you're here and I have so much I want to dig into. And as we discussed before we started recording, we'll do our best. We might not be able to get into everything, but there will be lots of ways for listeners to connect with you on social and links to your book afterwards so that they can learn more about you. So just to begin, Vincent, can you share a bit about your book, Icons and Instincts, for listeners who have not yet gotten it? Sure. Amy and I co-wrote the book. It's basically stories about my life and career, about the process of creativity, behind-the-scene looks at how entertainment icons create, and some life lessons that I wanted to share about the ups and downs of being in this business. Mm-hmm. And beyond the exciting stories and the inside look into dance and these high caliber productions, what was also really important to you to capture? Um, well, for me, I thought it was important to remind artists coming into the business that you should be prepared for anything that may arise. You know, study, study hard. You never know when opportunities will present themselves. I also wanted to remind people to not beat themselves up, young artists especially. Don't beat yourself up when you don't get the gig that you had hoped for. Keep on moving forward. I mean, it may be hard work, but if you have that dream, live your dream. I just love that so much, and I love how it spans all the arts, as, at least in my experience. I've only dappled in a couple of different genres, but I feel like it's relevant. And I've had this conversation a long, long time ago, even before I became a podcaster, before I was writing quite as much. I remember talking to a friend of mine who used to dance in New York, and 
trying to figure out where the intersection of art, ambition, desire, and also trust was. And and we can get into that a little bit more because I feel like you have to, as an artist, prepare, prepare, prepare. But then there's also the luck part of it and the opportunity part of it. And it's just kind of hard to quantify. Yeah. Absolutely it is. It, it is it's, it's a piece of all of those things. You know, luck certainly enters into it. Trusting your instinct, listening to that inner voice that kind of guides you through your life, the true you, I call it. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 but most important, you know, especially in this business, and as you must know, Ronit, we never know when something's going to come up. And th- the sad part is if you're not prepared in every possible way that you can be, you may li- lose out on an incredible opportunity that could be the one that sets you on the path to glory, you know? Mm, yes, and especially for dancers, which is such a different discipline than I ever really undertook. I mean, I tried, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> So many stories. But, you know, to be a dancer and to be at the top of your game, the way you describe, it's just daunting and also inspiring. So can you both talk about the collaborative process and what the workflow is like? I'm so intrigued. And you're my very first interview uh, with co-writers. Yeah. And I've actually thought a lot about this because as a writer, like you're always thinking about process. And this was actually Mm -hmm. my first time to do a memoir. And we'll talk, we can talk more about like how that happened because it's, it's very unusual. But, you know, for me, I kind of figured out it's like a, it's a bit of a six step process. There was a gathering process and then of just gathering all the stories. And then there was an organizing process of organizing what we had. And then there was the actual writing. So the writing didn't come really until almost the middle of the process. And then it was more about plotting and refining and then kind of looking at the flow of the whole thing and then finally doing the rewriting version. But I think Mm -hmm. what's most interesting to me about the process is, and kind of the fun part, but also the tricky part, is the gathering process. And what what happened with Vincent is, you know, he has stories that he just would tell people like he just had, <laughs> you know, he would invite people over and tell these great stories from his career. But he also had volumes and volumes of these journals that he kept. Mm. And so I was there was a lot of material that existed almost like as private diaries, but he was sending them as emails when he was on you know, different gigs around the world and sending them to people. And so he was writing them for an audience about what Mm -hmm. happened and what he was working on. But I think the gathering part, that was a big thing for us because it was really about casting a wide net. You know, the other thing Vincent has are all these photo albums and we would just sit down at his house and he would just take me through Hmm. an album. And, you know, every picture has a story. Yeah. And so that wide net, it's a little bit messy. It's a little bit overwhelming. But to Mm -hmm. me, that was an important piece of how it all kind of started. Like there were, I wasn't going in thinking, what's the story? What's this? And I'm sure I I, I won't speak for Vincent, but, you know, he was just kind of sharing. And then little things started to crop up that I started to see patterns or connect the dots of certain things and but to me that part was actually kind of fun and I it feels so long ago (laughs) but you know keeping that and then the other part of that for me as sort of the journalist and kind of the caretaker of the information I was also kind of keeping a list of questions Mm -hmm. so if I was working with one of his journals just reading it I would just have like a running list of questions and then Vincent and I would meet up And then I would ask follow-up questions like, hey, you talk about this and it doesn't go anywhere. What happened? You know, Mm -hmm. so that Mm -hmm. became sort of like this, this 
big piece of gathering, gathering, asking questions about photos and doing some of my own research and then showing him, hey, I found this thing that's related to this other piece that you were talking about. Mm. So that to me was, you know, kind of the the discovery part. And but it's also exciting because Vincent and I were friends before and when I kind of like knew his history. Oh, yeah. Why don't you just go ahead and talk about how the two of you got connected? Well, the, we first met, Vincent came to one of my plays out at CalArts. I was in, my, in the graduate program at CalArts. So he knew one of the actors in my play and we met, that's where I first met him. And I remember it very vividly. And then we kind of stayed in touch, right? And then he eventually directed a play of mine. And that's kind of when the, I, there was a documentary that came out uh, about him that was called The Man Behind the Throne. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of when we started talking about this idea and he told me about his journals and I was hearing more and more of his stories and it just sort of evolved from there Mm. that this idea of you know maybe it's time for you to write a book Vincent you want those stories because and everything you're saying Ronit like these stories to me speak to all artists these artists need to hear these stories and that was sort of the that was the driver for me these are important stories that should not disappear Yes. And I, Vincent, did you, did you ever have a feeling you would write a book before Amy mentioned it? No, not really. You know, I I never, well, you know, it's crazy because I'm going to say I never considered myself a writer, but I want to take that back in a way because having been a choreographer for so many years, I am a writer. A choreographer is a writer. We have in the script, we're presented a script. Sometimes it has if it's a commercial, you have stick figures. If it's a, 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 a film, for instance, you might have a line that says, and then they danced. And it's your, you know, you have to become the writer to create whatever's going to happen here. Now we write in physicality most of the time, but I'm also narrative having had a background in directing and acting before dance. Um, but no, this was, you know, other than my journals, which... I'm so happy I had done them. I I traveled around the world working so often and without even an assistant that I knew. I would pick up an assistant when I arrived. So I missed my family. I missed my friends. And I would put these journals together. And when I came back, I would would put these pages together. And when I came back, I would collate a journal and hand them out to 10 or 15 people. And interestingly enough, that became the narrative voice and the style for our book. And what I love is that so many people have been commenting to us saying like, oh, my God, Vincent, I feel like you're sitting right across the table from yes. me and talking to me. And, and I think that's because we chose to have that narrative journal voice be the voice in the book. Oh, it's it's so strong and it's so consistent. And, and I guess, did it take a while to settle on that or did it seem to just happen? I feel like it's pretty natural. I mean, don't you, Vincent? I mean, yes, I, mean, I do. Because, well, and one thing that we did talk about very specifically, and this this hit me very early on, is that it's so fun to sit across from Vincent at his kitchen table with a cup of coffee and actually hear him <laughs> tell some of these stories. I mean, and you're, la- you're laughing one minute and then you're crying the next because, you know, it's whether it's about his family or about a certain person he worked with or, you know, just some of the things he experienced. And I'm like, if we can capture that, and to me, that is the voice and that is that was very intentional. We want people to yeah. feel that they are in the room with Vincent, that they are... That, that he is there with them. And, and also his humor, like his humor, he, it, it's, it's just hard to imagine the book written any other way. There's just no other way for it to be done. 
You know, and it's, I want you to know that though I didn't hear your voice in my ears, I heard your voice when I read it and it was so entertaining and so (laughs) hard to put down. And, and then I thought to myself, wow, imagine what it's like to hear these stories. People just must eat it up because I'm sure you tell the stories with such uh, passion and, you know, expression. And and you you mentioned these early stories of growing up, which brings me to a question about your youth. And it really was, I'm really glad you wrote about your, your childhood and, and your origins, because I always find that super interesting. It's kind of really the heartbeat of stories for me. And you begin your book with a glimpse into what early life was like for you and your brothers with an abusive father who also hurt your mom. And and one of your grandmothers took you on a trip to Europe as her dance partner when you were 12, and another helped ground you with her warmth and, and what you seem to uh, share as like a reliability and steadiness. So can you talk about how you feel the role of your early life, you know, came up again in your tenacity, your belief in yourself and, and your doubts as you went on in your career? Yeah, certainly, you know, um, well, one thing I want to say about how we incorporated the bio- my, my biography into the book is we decided rather than just stick it all at the beginning that as an artist, so much of what you create stems from what has inspired you throughout your life, you know. And so Amy and I decided that we wanted to take some of these elements and, and ideas and move them into different chapters so people would understand that a lot of my artistry comes from the experiences that I had in my personal life. But, you know, I did have a difficult early life. I'm not the only one. So many of us did, especially growing up in the 50s and 60s. Times were different. And expectations were different and the way parents raised their children was different but and our our lives are always shaped to a great degree by our childhood environment and mine was violent and difficult but and we were relatively poor but you know what those things can make you strong and it made me realize also that whatever I wanted I had to achieve for myself that no one was going to help me or be able to help me financially and in a way Roni the beautiful thing was Uh, with the support that I got from both grandmothers who were phenomenal, very, very different. One one was so precise and clear and sharp. And, you know, she's the one that took me to Europe and introduced me to art and theater. And and the other grandma was a, a, a heavy, lovely woman that you just wanted to be cuddled up in her arms, you know, and, and she gave me the freedom of creativity. She had a crazy junk room up in her house, and, and I would go up there with my cousins and make shows and put them on for the relatives, and, you know, all of this, as well as the difficulty in, in growing up in a house like that, um, it, it winds up giving you a freedom of choice, you know, when you don't have responsibilities to that your parents have to decide for you or you have to please your parents, all of a sudden you have a freedom, a freedom to choose your own path. And that's what I think a lot of I got from so much of growing up at home. Yes, and I think it, it shines through as, as well. Of, I mean, like I keep using the word tenacity, but it's so intriguing to me. Uh, you know, you were 26, if I've got that right. It was uh, the middle of January, 1977. You picked up and moved from Arizona to Hollywood. You know, things had gone badly. You know, you lost a dear a dear relationship and there was no money. And, you know, you were pretty pretty new to dance, but it's stunning to me that you moved to Hollywood and you trusted your instincts once again. It was like this combination that that sent you to Hollywood. And then I know it wasn't as easy as snapping your fingers and then boom, you've, you had opportunities. I, and I know you, you mentioned that, but not long after, you seem to have landed. And so 
do you do you ever reflect on that like how things worked out so well for you in that regard yes absolutely i i, I always do especially uh in retrospect and uh looking back at it all in gratitude you know i mean gratitude uh, I, I mentioned the book, you know, when I first moved here, I didn't know anybody. I, I, I met a wonderful um, uh, ex-Vietnam vet, a gay guy, and, 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 a, and a white female hooker, actually, and with her two French poodles. <laughs> and they offered me a place to stay in their one-bedroom apartment in the middle of Hollywood for free and were so kind to me, you know. And, and it, it, it was gratitude like this, uh, the gratitude I have for situations and people like this. And, you know, I, I knew I wanted to dance, but I made a, a promise to myself that I was not going to kill myself. If this was the wrong profession for me, I was going to turn away. And I came down to that point where I thought I was taking my last dance class. And <laughs> we can call it luck. We can call it fate. But I call it basically support for everything all the energy and devotion and tenacity that I had put into becoming a, a, a dancer, I was about to say no, I was about to give it up. And I got a call in a dance class and a, a, a choreographer, Joe Bennett, came to watch me in class, gave me my first job right there from watching me and it changed my life, Ronit. That yeah. put me and set me on the path and I was ready to take over the world. <laughs> yes, and again and again, uh, you know, this dovetails into your, your own generosity and gratitude. You name artists and you give credit where it's due throughout the book. You include the names of directors, dancers, choreographers, costume designers, the teams involved on all these different projects. And I, I, want, I was hoping you could spend a little time sharing why that's so important to you. Well, to both of us, um, you know, it's it's very easy in 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 the entertainment business for the celebrities and the those people at the top of the list to be easily recognized, and then there are many others who don't get recognized. You know, on every single project, we create a creative family. No project is easy to do. There's always snags that happen all the time, but. You know, everyone works hard and they all give their best and they want to be recognized, whether it's they want to be recognized to me as the director or whomever. But I just tried to mention as many people as I can also because I was never mentioned, you know. I was always overlooked as a choreographer. I mean, I got great gigs, but to find the credit, forget it. Nobody knows I've done so many wonderful things. It's, it, it, it's all about lack of credit. And I'm going to jump a little bit here. You know, I've been working with a, a, a new guild that's being created here called the CG, the Choreographers Guild, for those oh, of us. How wonderful. Yes, for those of us who work on the West Coast to finally get some kind of union representation and recognition so that in working on films, uh, uh, electronic uh, music videos, or in live non-theatrical performance arenas like pop tours, that maybe in the future, what we're striving for is to be able to get credit on these projects, to have some kind of ownership, to have some kind of pension, health, and welfare. Just the same things that are afforded to all of the people that we work elbow to elbow with. So that's why it's important for me to credit everybody I possibly can. Sometimes I'm sure ad nauseum, but I don't care. People deserve to have their names out there. Okay. 
it, well, and for me as a writer, like, how can you not sit across a table and hear these things? Because these are conversations we would have. And mm-hmm. I would go and look things up and be like, oh, my gosh, you're like, it's absolutely true what's happening here. And, you know, and the, the inherent drama, because I'm always thinking about the storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and especially when we got to that phase in the book when we were kind of refining, like really pulling apart different pieces, we ended up devoting whole chapter, a whole chapter to this very yes. thing. And it started to feel really good, you know? And I think that that's also the piece of it, like when you are the sort of the co-writer, but it's Vincent's life, but like really grabbing those things that even, that that anyone can become passionate about, mm-hmm. you know? And then inter, you know, intertwining that through the story of his life, and that's to me, that's part of like elevating. That's elevating something to be even more than it's not just a memoir. It, yes. there, this book is a lot of things. But mm-hmm. I was very drawn into that drama and inspired. Inspired. Yeah, the erasure part is something mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't verbalized a lot, but I think about it, and you mm-hmm. know, as it relates to artists getting credit and mm-hmm. the voice of the artist and. You know, you relate that in your story about the birdcage. I don't know if you feel like you could share that a little bit, the mm-hmm. eclectic celebration of the dance um, mm-hmm. anecdote, mm-hmm. which which is really, really important part of the book. And I think a lot of people know that movie. And, and I'm curious, you know, for you too, Amy, you can both chime mm-hmm. in about your experience uh, on writers getting credit or not getting credit. Like, I, right. I love this subject. Well, I'll let Vin- I want Vincent to tell the birdcage story, but I, w- <laughs> I just want to preface it with saying this happened in real time. This happened as we were working on the book. But, oh, wow. yeah, you, you take it from there, Vincent. So. Yes. Um, well, uh, just to give a little history, you know, um, Mike Nichols invited me to uh, choreograph the, the movie The Birdcage, which meant he wanted me by his side from the very first table read to the end of the shoot. He said, Vincent, any place you think that movement can happen in any way, just please let me know and let's make it happen. So I was grateful for that. And one of the moments happened where, Elaine May had written a scene with Robin Williams where the dancer asks him, well, what do I do? Do I stand here like an object? And his reply was, no, you do the eclectic celebration of the dance. End of story. Well, Robin ran over to me on a break and said, Vincent, I'm so tired of playing the straight gay gay man. Do something funny. Can you do something funny for me? And I'd worked with Robin several times before, so I I knew how fast he was. So I went behind the set and I created the eclectic celebration of the dance, the Fosse, 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 Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Madonna, Madonna, and Twyla, Twyla. And he did it. He came back out. On the next take, he did it. Everyone broke up because they thought he was ad-libbing, which he wasn't. And Mike Nichols said, Robin, that's very funny, but let's do it as Elaine wrote it. And Robin said, Mike, please, Vince did that. Can't Can't we shoot it? Please, please, please. And Mike said, all right, look, boys. We'll do it as Elaine wrote it, and then we'll shoot it as you guys created it. But I want to tell you, it probably won't be in the film. Well, we know how that turned out. <laughs> anyway, it's one of the highlights of the film. When, people, when you say birdcage, most people go, Fosse, 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 you know. But, so, so while Amy and I were writing the book, a writer named Mark Harris wrote a biography on Mike Nichols. And my heart went, fell to the floor, truthfully. When I read that, and I'm paraphrasing slightly, but Mark says that one of the greatest improvisations that Robin Williams has ever done was the eclectic celebration of the dance. 
So all of a sudden, I was written out of history. Even though I have main title credit on the film, I was written out of history. And that's why I thought it was absolutely essential to point out how we get overlooked, how even when there's credit involved, how we are overlooked. So that's my side of the story. Amy, go ahead. To me, like things like this happen, and there there have been other instances that we mention in the book of you know things happening on television, um, you know, with different dance shows and things like that, using choreography without giving proper credit to who actually created that choreography. But for this to be happening in real time. Like, I, I just, this has to go in the book. I, you know, we talked about it, um, you know, and we put the whole thing in there and what we, you know, what happened from our point of view. But to me, it's, that's been an eye opener for so many people and it should be. And not to mention, uh, you know, one of my favorite phrases from the book is choreographers don't get Oscars, which is a reality that had never even occurred to me until working on this project and just how much work choreographers do and still do and how present they are in important films. And yeah, they aren't even eligible for an Oscar. There is no category. Yeah. And I I think until you start, if you're not in the dance world, if you're not doing this for your life and you're not engaged in it, you don't know. Because I consider myself a fairly artistically minded person and I didn't know. Me too. I mean, I was like, how could I have never realized that? And for your own for your own writing, Amy, has this ever happened to you? Has anyone, you know, do you have you ever felt like someone took advantage of you or your material? Well, it's it's tricky. I mean, in playwriting and screenwriting, it, it is it is tricky when you're working in dramatic forms like that because you know there's there's writing groups and it's like mm-hmm. you know and there's there's a lot of borrowing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of advice that turns into, oh, hey, yeah, I gave them that idea and look what they mm-hmm. did, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's, but it, it can be a little bit different. But obviously, even for writers, we have a writer, we have writers guilds. There's a dramatist guild for playwrights. There's legal, I mean, I can go to the dramatist guild and get help mm-hmm. from a legal team, mm-hmm. you know. And to me, we and we also talk about that in the book, even songwriters have avenues in which to, you know, protect their work or at least, you know, get the credit they deserve. And, you and, know, own, and, a piece, and, and, and own a piece and, of yeah, their work. Yeah, own it. Have, yeah. you know, access to royalties. You know, I've had a few instances where things were attempted to be written over, but even to be written over, and this is what I think is very interesting. If someone takes a, something that I have written that I have created okay as a piece of writing and you bring in a writer on top of my work and they and they work on top of my work there are guidelines there are rules about credit about no I my name is still involved based on how much gets changed based on all kinds of factors but now think about this in the dance world someone invents you know a style of movement uh, you know something like the lean and then that gets built upon like, where is the protection? Where is the, mm-hmm. where is the credit of where that movement originated? And so I think it's only because we haven't expanded our thinking of like, yeah, that does make sense because music and writing has figured out how to do it. Right. Why, right. why has dance not been part of that? And so that to me is what really is at the core of that conversation. And, you know, I want to, before we pivot a little bit, I want to just go back to structure because I want to share a little bit, you know, I want you to be able to talk a little bit about how you did 
get the organizing principle together for this, Amy, because, you know, there are a lot of writers listening and people who may or may be considering co-writing may not, you know, I'm curious how you took all of this and, and how long the process was to organize it by chapters and to, to figure out how you wanted to do it. I mean, it was, it was a lot and it was, long. <laughs> it was a lot of material to sift through. I mean, we probably could have written five different books or, you wow. know, with, there's so much material and that was tricky and we had to make some choices. And then when you start working with a publishing house, they have, you know, what the, the, the length that they would like it to be. So you have to start negotiating what stays in and what you leave and, you know, what, what comes out. But I think for me too, what was difficult for me as a dramatist and especially a screenwriter structure is so, so contingent on page count. It's very much about you're telling this story and the, you know, there, there's, there's a, there's like an act break. There's a, there's a movement to the story. And what was so different about this is that, and this is in the book, actually, it's part of what Vincent talks about in being an artist, which is kind of what I love, is that the book had to tell us what it needed to be. And it was really, mm. and you do that with scripts too, like a script kind of tells you what its structure is. But this book was the kind of thing where it was evolving, it started to evolve into being a certain kind of story. And what I had to get over is, you know what, some chapters are going to be a lot longer than other chapters. And at first that really, my, my dramatist brain was like, oh, you can't do that. It has to be, you know, it has to be structured. It has to be. But you know what, when we, when I gave into that, and Vincent and I really talked about that because like, especially like with the grandmothers, I just got to this point where I was like, you know what, Vincent, I think, I think grandmas need their own chapter. They deserve their own chapter because it's something in the flow of how the story's coming through. Like we really need to, fo we need to focus on this because otherwise they get lumped into this other part of the book that isn't, it just didn't feel right, you know? Mm -hmm. So there is a little bit of like a feeling your way through it and reading it for flow and, and, you know, and then when that happened, and I think we pulled out the birdcage story kind of late in the game. Isn't that what happened, Vincent? We kind of pulled that out because it happened in real time. And I was like, yes. okay, this is becoming a chapter because it's its own thing. And that to me was actually an amazing discovery in the process of creating this that that challenged me as a writer, but I also kind of really dug it. It was really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like everything was moving so fast and there's so much to juggle, so many yeah. plates in the air, right? But it does, it starts to kind of, you know, it is that idea of it's a, it's a piece of marble and the sculpture starts coming to life and you start to see what's helping and what's not right or what needs to shift or what should come first. And, mm -hmm. and, and it is, it's not purely chronological, but it has an emotional logic to it. Yeah, we had some decisions to make about did we want it to feel episodic, which we decided, yeah, we wanted to, people to be able to, because they were a lot of individual stories, we wanted people to be able to pick up the book and put it down. But I'm happy to say that so many people say, oh my gosh, I couldn't put the book down. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. nice. I was, I was basically like planted on the sofa all weekend long every time my teenagers walked by. I was just like, I, leave me alone. I'm reading. I was like, I've got to find out about Madonna. We tried to lay some Easter eggs and callbacks yeah. and things like that, but we did. Yes. We, we kind of built this thing also. Well, and that's part of Vincent being the man behind the throne. And it's this whole thing which is so true you know his work but you mm -hmm. don't know his name mm -hmm. and it's really kind of a fun way to 
discover Vincent. And so that's also why we didn't want to front load it with all this backstory because you don't know him yet and you get to know him through his work. And then you're like, wow, who is this guy? Because that's, mm, yeah. that's kind of how you become friends with him. That's how I became friends with him. I'm like, who <laughs> is this man telling me these crazy stories? Like, this is insane. So to me, that the book is so much about, you know, it's a little Vincent in your pocket, which I really love, you know? So many people have said that what they're enjoying is going through the book, putting it down, going back, now that we have social media and, and YouTube and everything, and, and watching uh, the commercial yes. or going back and yes. watching a movie and then go back to read it so that it's kind yes. of like at one point we originally thought well maybe let's put links to everything at the bottom of the pages yes. but things change so often that we scrap that idea but so many people have told us that that's the process that they've gone through reading the book they'll get to something about Madonna they'll go back and look at it they get to something about yes. Ray Charles uh-huh commercials they'll go back and look at them you know and it's so fun both if you don't know those pieces of history or if you've lived through some of those pieces of history, you know, mm -hmm. like for those of us who are a little older who remember Madonna's scandalous Pepsi commercial, <laughs> it's so fun to go back and be like, wow, I remember when that happened. Yes. And, you know, and for younger generations to be like, whoa, look at Madonna. Look what yeah. she's doing. Like, you well, know. You actually, you write about her that this is a quote I pulled that she charges after everything she wants, usually gets it and flourishes in the experience of living her life. And while reading about your life, Vincent, I was struck by how much that describes you also. And you write, quote, as I reflect on all I've learned and all I've created, I believe more than ever that creativity and discipline are tools all artists have. It's only a question of whether or not those important tools for artistic expression are nurtured. And I'm wondering, and you can reflect on this however you'd like, but also, did you both have that familiar feeling of creativity writing this book? Did, did the process feel different because it's a, a little bit more, you know, extended, protracted, the time of writing? Or did you have that similar, like, amped up feeling? It kind of had an ebb and flow. I mean, we would get together, sit together, and those moments were charged. We would just be like, we would leave our, our, our little meetings together so enthused and inspired. And, and then we would go and kind of work on our own a little bit and, and pull that together and then come back and, and meet again and be, it, you know, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what about this? What about this? So the collaborative process was fantastic for me. And, and it was, a, as a writing it was totally new. And I don't think Amy's collaborated that much before. So I think that it was a both, it was a new experience for both of us. And both of us, I think, are the kind of artists that we do enjoy new information. We do enjoy new experiences. And we take all of those in and we kind of stick them into our creative minds and hearts and, and hopefully what we gather inspire us to create something new or as Michael Jackson had always said to me, Vincent, please create something that the world has never seen before. Mm -hmm. So that was our goal as well. Mm -hmm. Well, and I also think that as, you know, as theater people, we both have roots in theater. I mean, I started as an actor. I studied theater. I did a lot of theater. 
And so collaboration is kind of in your bones. If you are not a good collaborator, you will be very unhappy in the theater world. <laughs> and, you know, and I went to, I mean, mm -hmm. I went to a very prominent art school. You know, CalArts is all about collaboration. We have classes on it, you know, mm -hmm. like what kind of collaborator are you? And so for me too, at the end of the day, collaboration is collaboration. You have to have generosity. You have to bring truth to the table. You have to have some idea of how you're going to resolve conflicts. You need an ego. Ego, but it needs to be a healthy ego. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, and and that's that's part of what determines sort of the success. And, and we had things we didn't agree on, but, you know, we always found a way to kind of bring the idea and work through it, you know, and, and that is so much a part of it. And for me as a screenwriter, particularly, I think, of course, I love Vincent's stories and I and I saw the drama in the stories, but also I'm used to writing in someone's voice. I'm, you know, mm. dialogue is like, that is like one of the key things of being, in, you know, being a dramatist, being a playwright, being a screenwriter. And so getting into Vincent's voice was actually, it, and it got to this point where I would interview him and I would go and take that and start crafting it so it was a well-crafted story, but it's still in his voice. And then he would take it and he would make corrections or change the voice that he thought it would be better, you know. So, it, yeah. and it even got to the point where we couldn't remember and some of the journals would have like holes. So I would be like, well, let's mm -hmm. talk about this piece that's not in the journal, but I want to find a home for it. Like, and yeah, we couldn't tell who wrote what. We got to this <laughs> point where we're like, did you write that? Did I, like, you know, and that actually to me was a sign of our success. Like we were, oh, yeah. we were, we were very much aligned in the how. And I think that's, what's really important for the memoir because that was our goal. We want people to feel that they're really meeting the real Vincent. And that's what mm -hmm. I'm, that's what I am most proud of in the book. Mm. And, you know, I, I know we're winding down and I, I really, I want to touch on this because I can't let the conversation end without mentioning the Michael Jackson controversy. He, he figures so prominently in your career, Vincent. And I want to ask how you and Amy decided to approach the child molestation allegations, you know, what to address, what not to, because it happened. My first thought was, well, that those came out later on in your whole collaboration with him. So that's kind of how you treated it in the book. You know, we kind of meet him without any of that that swirling. But we know now that there, you know, a lot of stuff went down, at least in the courts. And so curious how you guys approach that. And also, what are your thoughts about separating artists from their art when it comes to, quote, bad behavior? I'll talk about that first. First of all, I, I was never part of that. And I don't believe it, to be honest with you. And I never agreed with it. I never saw it. I worked with Michael on and off for over, over 17 years. And, um, you know, and in every situation, he was proven innocent. So I, I just don't get keep pulling it back up again and again and again. It's kind of like that old statement that I remember used to be a joke among my parents and their friends. Do you still beat your wife? I mean, how do you answer that, you know? Anyway, so, you know, we just didn't have anything to say about it because it was nothing, not part of any of my situation with Michael. It never entered into my creative world at all. And I, how do I feel about separating artists from their work when it comes to bad behavior? Well, I'm not quite sure what bad behavior means. You know, we could say that a lot of the things, the, the moments I created for Madonna that were quite controversial, I mean, are bad behavior. I mean, look at what the Pope said about the Blonde Ambition Tour, you know, that I had released yeah. Satan back into the world. So, uh, but I think too much we ask too much of artists. Artists are there to shake us up, you know, oftentimes. And 
we're getting to a point where so many things are, I'm not talking about abusive situations, but I'm talking mm -hmm. about bad behavior. And, you know, we're, we're at a point where being politically correct has kind of gotten a bit outlandish at this point. You know, we're afraid to open our mouths. We're afraid to, 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 to say something that we feel for fear that we're going to offend somebody. And, you know, I think that artists are artists. Uh, it, you know, they can't be held responsible for everything they do. If they're musicians, we should be considering their music. If they're uh, actors, we consider their, their role as an actor. Whatever they do in their personal life is, is their own business as far as I'm concerned. So that's how I feel about it. But Amy? Well, I think especially for the, the Michael Jackson, well, any, anything that would be considered bad behavior, especially in working on the memoir, I, I, it was my responsibility, I felt, to take Vincent's lead because this is his story. These right. are his experiences. And so for me, it was about being, you know, it was about getting to the truth of Vincent. And what I actually really love that came through for me, and this is just me as, a, as an artist, as a person, what you really learn is... The, this idea of celebrity, the, how much their lives change in ways you can't even really comprehend, particularly for the big stars like, like Michael and Madonna. Like there's this really harrowing story about Madonna literally getting attacked by fans mm. who love her, <laughs> you know, and it's mm -hmm. like they rip out a piece of her hair for crying out loud, you know, and it's very hard to even comprehend having to live like that. And Michael, I mean, he never did he ever know a normal life his entire like i mean and so and again like it doesn't excuse anything but it's also like where is our humanity if we can't take people for for people first but i it's very hard for me as well to with what i know of michael and you know because i've met other people who've who actually knew michael knew michael behind closed doors knew michael you know in quiet conversations mm -hmm. that were not sensationalized or part of the media and you know it, it's hard to believe and 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 I also think I believe in the court system you know like I it's like he he was never you know charges were dropped I mean it's and he had so much so much money it's hard to think like people you know people mm -hmm. going after people like it, so I do think it's a very complicated thing well I appreciate that you're you know t that you spend time on it yeah, but it's, you know, but again, like, you know, Vincent's book is so much about artistry and being an artist and at all levels. And I think mm -hmm. that's what is so amazing to me. And the fact that, you know, we place these people on pedestals and, you know, that that can be a dangerous thing, too. Just the oh, I definitely like I, I really appreciated the inside look into the way people live and, and, and what if anyone at all is interested in behind the scenes and what happens like you really get such a sense of what that landscape is like. And and I, I wonder, are there memoirs that you both appreciate or enjoy or would like to shout out as having, you know, inspired you at all? Uh, Amy, Amy's more of a reader of memoirs <laughs> than I am. So well, what's what I think is ironic is I the last kind of memoir I would read would be any kind of dishy Hollywood expose <laughs> uh, that's like the la I'm more gonna read you know political figures I'm waiting to read um, I'm behind I want to read the Ruth Bader Ginsburg memoir it's on mm -hmm. my desk like that's my next one <laughs> but you know as a writer I, I I have to say Stephen King's on writing memoir oh, yeah. is just I mean it's a masterpiece and it's it's just so small and you know but it's it 
it does so much and you learn about him but you learn about craft and I think if anything when we started to figure out what icons and instincts wanted to be I went back to that just with that in mind and like I think it's so important because you want the memoir to be more than just like the life story is so important but Mm -hmm. it can elevate it can also be about more things because that's what that life experience has done to the world and and that's what I feel was was really if anything was influential it would probably be Stephen King's memoir thank you Mm -hmm. my last question for you is uh, what would you tell a writer or a memoirist, you know, someone who wanted to write their story and was considering co-writing it with a partner? What advice would you offer? And this is for either or both of you. Well, for me, um, I say that it's always it's always easier when you have a partner to work with. It, it keeps you on your toes. You have someone to reflect back to you as a mirror and you have someone to collaborate with. And, and as Amy said before, you know, as the kind of artists we are in the career that we began, we started with collaboration. So collaboration is a, is a very wonderful uh, and positive tool for me. I just think that's important to be truthful, to add a sense of humor, keep people amused, because, you know, it's not all about just the facts. It's about the facts of life. Um, so, Amy, Amy, what do you think? Well, I think it's really important to think that you can't you can't dive into anyone's personal experiences and not become emotionally invested. And I think that, you know, having that sense, especially as the co-writer, right, that there's such a big responsibility from that side of trying to help be that mirror, but also recognizing that, you know, this person could be reliving trauma. Mm. This person could be, you know, and Vincent has you know, worked through a lot of his things already, but, you know, things were coming up and, you know, that can become part of the process. And I think like in any collaboration that you learn, I mean, this is what you learn when you're an artist. Sometimes there are people you just shouldn't collaborate with, you know, <laughs> but, but, but and, and, and knowing that that's okay. But I do think if you're entering into a collaboration like this, and if it is the person's life, there, there are moments where I have to let Vincent, I have to let Vincent drive it. This is mm-hmm. Vincent's life. This is his legacy. And what's, what, what's, I am a caretaker to that on the page, but there are things that I can speak strongly about. I can give him all my reasoning in the world, but if he still says no that's it but what what's wonderful about Vincent as a collaborator he will listen and he will take it in and mm-hmm. sometimes we we had to table a few ideas or or changes and then we came back to it and it was like okay maybe not that but what about this and it's like ah mm-hmm. yes that's mm-hmm. the solution yeah you make it sound so great to collaborate it can be yeah we laugh a lot we loved it <laughs> we loved it I just really also want to, you know, I I know we have to be done. I have to let you go off into the world, even though I don't want to. Um, But I I do want to just mention what reminded me so much in our conversation is that, you know, as artists, I feel like all the things we do can inform our creativity, right? You know, watching an opera, watching dance, writing, reading, seeing art, and and really going to a concert, you know, walking and noticing what all of that goes into the, you know, the, the whole mix. And I think that's something that I really took away from your book as well thank you so much and and aside from that just walking through nature 
walking through nature and being alone sometimes. I mean, you need that time to fill your head with, to assimilate all the information that we get from all those creative experiences. We need that alone time out in nature so that we can kind of make them make sense to us and find out how they fit in our world of inspiration and creativity. Definitely. And it's been just a pleasure learning about art through your eyes and your experience. And, you know, the book is so rich and so entertaining. And I just am very happy it's in the world. And where can people find you if they want to connect with you? I'm on Facebook, just regular Facebook. We also are on hashtag V like my initials, V-L-P-L-A on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And Amy? Yeah, I mean, the best way to meet us, especially through the book, is probably through Vincent's official page. He has a Vincent Patterson official. Oh, okay. And we can, you know, if you have messages for either one of us, you can reach us through that. Um, We have personal Facebook pages, um, uh, but we spend most of our, I spend most of my time on the official (laughs) official page. (laughs) That seems safer. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're just promoting the book and, you know, I have other projects in my life that are different, you know, so we just try to keep things... That's great. And yeah. we'll we'll link to that in the show notes as well as um, the book. And mm-hmm. I just thank you so much yeah. for spending this time with me and, and agreeing to the, the dual interview, which makes sense because you're collaborators. And just a pleasure. Yeah. Just a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Listen, I want to say one more time, your questions were so inspiring. They, they mm-hmm. really are inspiring. And many of them are so unique. And so thank you, Ronit, for putting that much attention to this interview. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Vincent, once again, proving how... How lovely you are and you too Amy <laughs> thank you so much thank you for tuning in to let's talk memoir for more about this episode and my guest please visit the link in the show notes or on instagram at ronit plank that's r-o-n-i-t p-l-a-n-k you can also follow me on twitter facebook and tiktok If you liked this episode of Let's Talk Memoir, please go ahead and share it with your friends and subscribe. And if you have two more seconds, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, which really does help other people find the show. Thank you so much for being here.